I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm gonna start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. I wonder if the two of us would have been friends in real life, not as podcasters, but as people. Hello and welcome to Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast that I'm aware of about Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Paul W.S. Anderson. My name is Eric Anderson. And my name is Jeremy Anderson. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You're we, back. We're all back together again in the Wes Anderson camp, which I couldn't be more excited. You know, Eric, it, it feels nice and cozy over here. It feels nice and cozy over here, too. You know, Jeremy, if you're listening to this in the future, it's, you know, uh, it's Christmas time, basically. It's like mm. the December 10th when mm-hmm. we're recording this, 2004, and we got an advanced screening of this new Wes Anderson movie called The Darjeeling Limited. It comes right. out in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time walking around outside with my mouth exposed. And yeah, everyone's um, looking at my chin and they're, uh, they're just admiring it because my chin is my most admirable part of my <laughs> body. It's, I really hope I never have to hide it one day. Isn't it startling to see a human mouth in in person these days? D- dude, I don't did you see my tweet about that where I'm just like everyone who has a mask on, I'm convinced they're super hot. And then as soon as they pull <laughs> their mask down around their chin, it's like what the f- happened? Like what <laughs> what train wreck made you? It, it, it's 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 not it's unfortunate, but it is true that like we all look like hot ninjas until we pull mm. our masks down and then we look like midwestern idiots <laughs> every one I, of us i have to be honest with you i i like the way that i look in a mask <laughs> <laughs> Pre- mm-hmm. like generally when i'm out in public i like the way that i look in a mask better because i feel like i don't know i have one of those i don't know if it's my f- natural face uh my my normal facial expressions you do have one I'm of those thinking. you do have a natural face Okay. Oh God! I'm so glad you said that because I was worried about that. I was like, I know I have eyes, but mm-hmm. there is a little bump where a nose should be, and I guess there's right. holes. Right. But I don't know about the. No, but <laughs> I I uh I feel like when people see my normal resting face, they uh think that I'm like angry or something. I don't know, but uh, hmm. I feel like with the mask. I mean, you can't tell what anyone's thinking at all, and I kind of right. like that. Yeah, you also can't judge people based on the way they look, which is exactly. in- it was just really interesting. Like, I work obviously. I've mentioned this before at a COVID testing site. It's very safe. We, you know, we, you know, serve the greater Los Angeles community and getting them tested for COVID nineteen. And there, there are people that I am straight up friends with that I've seen them take off their mask to eat, and I realize like. Do they just have the kind of face that I would have never assumed we would be friends? Mm. Like maybe they look a little mean or like maybe they remind me of a bully I had when I was a child or something. But there's all kinds of reasons why we judge people for the way they look. And with the mask, you don't do any of that. So 
I feel like, you know, I'm just uh, free to be friends with and enjoy the company of literally anybody and everybody, uh, you know, whereas I would totally just, I would probably get in fights with pe- some of these people for the way, yeah. for just for their face. Yeah, you were getting in a lot more fisticuffs before the that's pandemic. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. I was. Yeah. Jeremy's recorded half of these episodes from the hospital. Yes, yes, because I lose terribly. That's yes, that's yeah, yeah, I lose. yeah, yeah. You know, Jeremy, I was in a situation, and this is a little teaser because I'm excited to talk Wes Anderson. Um, I'm very excited to talk about this movie, but you know, if you've been listening to these Wes Anderson installments up to this point, we're going chronologically. I loved Bottle Rocket. I, you know, I liked Rushmore, but it kind of lost its charm for me. You know, I thought Life Aquatic was pretty good and Tenenbaums, but I, I had made a statement that I don't think the later Wes Anderson movies are as funny right. as, say, a Bottle Rocket or a Rushmore. Mm-hmm. And I still think Bottle Rocket is my favorite, and I still think it's the funniest to me for my comedic sensibilities. <laughs> but a combination of watching this movie and a movie that we're talking about eventually that I just happened, it happened to be, I was in a situation where I ended up watching sort of a later Wes Anderson movie recently. Oh. And it was one uh, that I realized was very, very funny. Oh, a late, I was late, like, later than Darjeeling. Yes, and I was like, you know what? I'm excited to like watch rewatch these. I don't know what it, you know. I've gone through phases with Wes Anderson where I feel like I've been maybe kind of cynical about his work or something. Like, right? I've kind of been that way with Noah Baumbach and certain, um, it's sort of more like, uh, I guess, like art house kind of like artsy uh, uh, filmmakers, totally. And and bands and stuff like this, where like like Vampire Weekend is an example of a band where I was like, you know, early on, I liked, I kind of liked that first album, <clears throat> and then you know, once it became like, um, almost more that that sort of thing of like, oh, a lot more people know about this than I thought, and now for whatever reason, I don't like it as much. Right. But just to tease, there is a Wes Anderson movie that I'm really really stoked to talk about that oh, I, I thought was wait. like really really funny um i can't is it but, uh, yeah. and but you're not gonna spoil which one it is um do you want me to spoil what it is i kind of want to know because because in my opinion this film so i agree with you in that i thought we were kind of done with my favorites already and i watched this film and i totally agree that i i was like this is the funniest movie i've seen ever in my whole life i was like this is like the fu- i was like laughing the entire way yeah i was like this yeah. is incredibly funny so i want to know what you think is funnier than that like coming up like because i in my mind like moonrise kingdom for example is like depressing if anything um so here's the thing i had realized while watching this movie that i had never seen it before oh <laughs> somehow which is crazy because uh, it's from 2014. I'm talking about Grand Budapest Hotel. I thought oh, that movie was really funny. Awesome. Okay, yeah. In my mind, I don't remember that. 
I don't I don't remember much about it. I saw it in theaters once and then never saw it again. So that is I will I will admit that and Isle of Dogs have been the two that I'm the most excited to revisit because of the most recent ones and I have completely forgotten what what even happens in them. Um, yeah. So I got to kind of like see a a new-ish uh Wes Anderson movie for the first time without even really realizing that was something I could do recently. Yeah, that's cool. And it did kind of like, it kind of recharged my uh, excitement for watching all these Wes Anderson movies. So that's, that's great, buddy. I can't, yeah, I can't wait um, to, to, I can't wait to learn more and, and to watch more. Yeah. But I will say that I want to echo that thought because I, I felt the same way where I, re- I remember Darjeeling limited being my least favorite um, Wes Anderson movie. And now after I've seen it, with this viewing, it it can't possibly be my least favorite. <laughs> right. Here's the thing: like, you can you can kind of like tell thematically that Wes Anderson is growing too, because you know I feel like we both kind of had that feeling with um, Rushmore, where we were like, I, I definitely had this. I don't know about you, where we were like, you know, I I don't really. I'm blanking on the main character's name, but I don't really empath mm-hmm. like relate to Schwartzman's character at all. And I actually think that he's kind of like a little twerp now when, I, now <laughs> when I'm older. And I feel like when I saw Darjeeling Limited, when I was probably around the age that Max. I... His name is Max. Yeah, probably around the age that I was like really into Rushmore and was really identifying with Max, I didn't get Darjeeling Limited as much. But now it's kind of the reverse where I'm like... I love Darjeeling Limited. I had a really great time, and I remembered parts of it. And I, I and I remembered. I don't know. I had the same thing too. I was like, I didn't realize this movie was this funny, and yeah, it's hilarious in a way that I feel like his the the movies we've seen up until now haven't been with the exception i think of like life aquatic like i actually found this movie to be funnier than life aquatic surprisingly but i do think the humor is similar like where it's like a little darker and a little more like (laughs) like the characters like straight up like to get up in this movie (laughs) which is like really a a part of it that i had forgotten that i don't think i ever really clocked that like how much they're into doing drugs And it was cracking me up watching them doing all these drugs the entire film. Um, remind me of your uh, your last thought there, Jeremy, before I got distracted. Oh, um, that I, it makes sense that the Darjeeling Limited and the Life Aquatic to me feel similar in tone and humor, uh, being that they also were his like two biggest box office failures like there's more i guess i'm finding similarities in those two movies because i felt like i when i watched them they both felt kind of similar to me Mm. in a little bit of their tone so i was wondering if you if you kind of had a similar thought yeah yeah i think i would agree with that yeah yeah they're they're like um you know they're both and they're also made like pretty close together too i think like one's like oh four i believe this is like oh seven and uh yeah and then fox like fox when fox gets made it's like a whole different thing and then i feel like yeah we're we're into a new era 
with Moonrise and 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 moving on. But this 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 film does live in the Wes Anderson is now making big 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 movies. Like this movie to me feels huge. Like kind of like how Life Aquatic felt huge. Um, in a way that the, his like Rushmore and and Tenenbaums and and Bottle Rocket they felt like small indie films to me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I do remember. I also remember the marketing for this movie. Same. Um, I, w- I was psyched yeah. to see this movie. I don't know about you. Me too. Yeah, me yeah. too. Um, yeah, I would have been uh, oh, s- October twenty sixth of oh seven. So I was like in uh just starting college i guess so um yeah same so jeremy we got a patreon uh what what what's the link for that bad boy patreon.com slash eric and jeremy there you will find just a a litany of amazing bonus supplemental material to this podcast where uh, this month, of course, we're talking all Christmas type movies and a lot of Christmas horror stuff, which I'm I'm really into. Uh, the film that we covered earlier this week is Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale, which mm-hmm. I am so happy I did not look up anything about that film. Yeah, neither uh, did I. And uh, yeah, good times. Uh, yeah, and it and it it kind of was like freaked me out <laughs> that the movie that the movie was like had such high production value. I I don't know why. Uh, I've expected like the knuckleheads on our Patreon who recommend <laughs> us films it's them for all be like the most low budget <laughs> garbage the baby type movies. Yeah. Um, but this was like oh this was like a real studio film. Thanks. Yeah, you were a, you were scared of Santa legitimate legitimately. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. I'm saying thank you, by the way, to uh, Jackie, my my uh, my girlfriend. She brought me uh, a tasty margarita that I'll be oh enjoying boy. during the uh, course of this podcast. Love it. You know, uh, I think it's time. Yes. That we dive in to uh the darjeeling limited how about this eric choo choo all aboard um yes one ticket for uh movie town usa (laughs) one ticket to tinseltown please i didn't realize it at the time but this movie features my favorite kink song oh yes want to guess which one Oh, is it um, This Time Tomorrow? It is This Time Tomorrow. That's my favorite, too. This time. Yeah, that, and, great, and that moment, by the way, I, I cry every time. I shit you not. Every yeah. time I see that moment in the film when he's running past Bill Murray and you realize, I'm even getting choked up thinking about it now, you realize the whole film is sort of about baggage and the baggage that we carry with us. And, and some people get on the train and some people miss the train. You know, mm. and like that being a metaphor for life, it it just Ooh, gets me. That. And and then you hear that song, and I mean, the Kings are featured throughout, and they're like maybe one of my all time favorite bands of all time, and that song just plays so perfectly with that slow motion Adrian Brody running onto the train. Oh, it's it's a it's a stunning sequence. Um, so this film, Jeremy, was written by not only Wes Anderson. But a little guy by the name of Roman Coppola mm-hmm. and another fella by the name of Jason Schwartzman. 
an even littler guy named Jason sure. Schwartzman. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So uh, what else? Oh, I guess Roman Coppola co-wrote Moonrise Kingdom and Isle of Dogs. Interesting. I don't know much about Roman Coppola, to be honest with you. He is a um, a weirdo. He's a Coppola, obviously. He's, so he's Jason Schwartzman's cousin. Mm. And um, I think he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. And he's... Uh, he's a director also. He's made like only like, I think three films. Yeah. He's like an artist, a painter, a visual artist. He's like kind of an experimental guy. He's like, yeah, he's in, he's an interesting figure. Um, I really don't know. It's hard. It's hard to even describe Roman Coppola because he, he doesn't do like much, you know? Yeah. But interesting. But he's uh, but he's he's kind of. I've always been very curious about him. Like, what's his deal? You know, uh, he seems like he lives a very charmed life, where he kind of moves from project to project and doesn't really feel a reason a need to stick to anything. And um, that does seem like oh, he's a- oh, he's Francis Ford Coppola's son. Never mind. I'm oh. sorry. He's his son. Yeah. Uh, my, that's my bad. I thought he was his nephew. I guess Nicolas Cage is his nephew. Is Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, but um, yeah, Nicholas Cage's Nicholas Cage. Yeah, they're all related. Oh, Nicholas Cage, Francis Ford no Coppola, uh, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, they're all part of the same, the same family. So, Jeremy, I was taking a look at the Darjeeling Limited IMDb trivia section, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I noticed a few interesting things here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of which might be that uh, Owen Wilson to get that uh, to get that limp. While they were filming, put a small lime in his shoe. <laughs> I feel like there's other things you could put in there that wouldn't squish and ooze out some type of liquid. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's almost like feels like they're doing it on purpose because like there's limes come into the the film's narrative quite a bit. Like they call that girl sweet lime, and they're always getting that drink sweet lime, and so maybe mm. they thought like this will be like poetic if i put a lime in my shoe i don't know but did you notice that jason schwartzman doesn't wear shoes the entire movie no i was just reading that and uh i guess i didn't realize that Mm -hmm. but that's funny because that i mean his character would do that i can't i can't get a a clear answer on this anywhere but i mean it's so clearly an homage to paul mccartney right (laughs) do you think so yeah, because don't you feel like they're all okay? I was getting a beetle, like a beetle yes. vibe. Let me pi- sure. let me pitch this to you, okay? It's it the three of them. They look like the Beatles. They're dressed mm-hmm. like the Beatles, especially Jason Schwartzman, who looks just like Ringo Starr. Um, they're taking a trip to India to find themselves, just like the Beatles did. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't this about like? But there's no. They're, they like like they've never on record said anything about this having anything to do with the Beatles, and it drives me nuts because it's like it's so <laughs> clearly about like having to do with the Beatles. In fact, the three brothers are named Francis, Peter, and Jack after Francis Ford Coppola, Peter Bondanovich, and Jack Nicholson. So they're not even named mm. after Beatles or anything. It's it's like it's almost like uh, thematic red herrings or something. 
So what do you think? Is uh, I guess Adrian Brody would be uh, would be um, Lennon, right? Oh, I would. Yeah, I guess. Well, if we're Owen saying Wilson, that if we're saying Kirk that Jason is um, Paul, then I would almost say Adrian Brody would be George, and I could see that. Too. Owen would be Lennon, and then there is no real Ringo, or maybe Jason Schwartzman is both Ringo and Paul because he looks. I a think lot like o- Ringo. I think Owen's Paul because he's kind of like the ringleader, you know? Yeah, He's kind of like trying to be in charge. But literally, Jason Schwartzman doesn't wear shoes, like in the cover of Abbey Road. Oh, no. I mean, Owen Wilson is uh, uh, McCartney. Right. Did I say McCartney? Or... Yeah, Paul. Because like in Paul, in the cover of Abbey Road, Paul McCartney is not wearing shoes. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll settle this later. <laughs> I'll give you a call after we're done with yeah. recording. I think it's funny that both Natalie Portman and Bill Murray, they both flew to India to shoot for one day and then stayed in India for a month after that. <laughs> I love that. That would yeah. be great. I for, What was I listening? I was listening to an interview with someone who was like on... Uh, it was a similar situation where they were like... They were filming a... Uh, oh, it, it was... Uh, Kevin Pollack was talking about uh, filming for Casino, I think. Oh man! Like he just he he just stayed the, around. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Scorsese Scorsese just had him stay around the whole time. If you could, um, wouldn't you do the yeah. same thing? Absolutely. Are you kidding yeah. me? Um, yeah, I always notice that. By the way, when there's like a film that's like on location, and you can like I. I think about that. I'm like, man, that would have been fun to like go there and like work on a a project in that place. Like, I feel like when, when I lived in LA, I would occasionally hear about people going to Hawaii to film stuff once in a while. It was like a pretty common thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of anyone I knew doing that, but I heard of like, all my friends were flying to Hawaii. Really? (laughs) Damn it. Oh yeah. Who, how did you meet these people? Uh, I went to a trip to Hawaii. What the what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a question for you, Eric. Uh-huh. Kind of about the making of this movie. So you know, yeah. like the entire score is taken from the films, the Merchant Ivory films, in conjunction with uh, Satyajit Ray, who is the uh, famous like Indian filmmaker. Uh, sure. I watched a lot of bonus features. Uh, There's like conversations between Wes Anderson and James Ivory talking about sort of like the the Eastern, you know, uh, sort of uh, medicinal movement that kind of happened throughout the United States back in the 60s mm-hmm. when everyone was going to India to like find gurus and stuff. Uh, very interesting time in our in our country, very and, and in their country, clearly. Um, a lot of it was in conjunction with like the undertones of like colonization and stuff, but it's very fascinating to me. Did this film make you... And and I mean, like from the soundtrack point of view, or the score, um, or just the look of it, did it make you want to get into some of Satyajit Ray's films? Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, or even or even the James Ivory films, like uh, which he's like an American filmmaker who went to India to make a bunch of movies, Indian like films. Um, or like um, Indian American films, like um, like a lot of them is about Americans going to India. Sort of like this film is the premise of that. Um, 
Yeah. So so yeah, you I'm definitely did, curious. You made, you made you kind of curious about him because I I am kind of now thinking I want to do a deep dive on Satya Jit Ray, which I think of this film because I do think this film has some blind spots when it comes to like being culturally sensitive, right? Yeah, that is the thing about this movie where I'm like. I, I just want to preface everything I say with I am a, a white person right. who has never been uh, I haven't been to many outside of the U.S. very much at all right or to India um, specifically or yeah. to India specifically so yeah. I don't know I mean I, I don't know if there's like anything super offensive in this or anything I don't I, I have yeah. no idea uh, on double double feature feature you might know Ravi right Ravi Kieran who uh-huh. is uh who's definitely Indian and he. I asked him what his take was on this movie because I was feeling a little icked out by some of the stuff in it. I was like, is this, this feels like disrespectful or it feels like specifically it felt like Wes Anderson's kind of using the country of India as a prop to service the characters in the movie. And uh, Ravi confirmed that that was his a take on it. He did need. He he was like, I do need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in a long time. But he's like that when I first saw it, that was my feeling on it. And so I at least know that's what Ravi feels about it. And I for me that's good enough to kind of go, okay, yeah. So my my initial knee jerk reaction was right. Um, but I think if this film does one thing incredibly good for the, I guess just like the the art and entertainment that has come out of India is that it makes it, it made me really want to dive into the films of India that inspired this movie from the get go. Me too. Um, yeah, me too. And I, you know, that's good to know that, um, uh, cause yeah, I kind of, uh, it, it is good to know that now, uh, Robbie's take on it. Cause I don't know. I mean, uh, look, I mean, no matter what, I think I I think Wes Anderson just kind of had the best of intentions, and it wasn't something that he was really like thinking about too much. Or mm-hmm. obviously, if it you know if 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 that's the way the film turned out, but I don't know. Like I said, white guy, no idea uh, what I'm talking what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't I don't think Wes Anderson like was like making fun of India or like uh, trying to be culturally insensitive intentionally. I think he actually loves India and he has a lot of respect for India. And I think he thinks India is so beautiful. In fact, there's a, there's a little note in here about how a lot of the film's dialogue, a lot of the dialogue was redacted from the later half of the film because specifically Wes Anderson wanted to let the, the beautiful country of India speak for itself. So, you know, he, he is a, clearly a fan, clearly has a lot of reverence for it. At the same time, the narrative of the movie just so happens to be a funnier version of Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a funnier, way more cynical version of, of an Eat, Pray, Love, which I think is a great idea for a film. I just wish that there was somebody calling it out in the movie. Like, I just wish that somebody called called out the brothers on the, ultimately what is their bullshit because because i think these characters are i think they start out as pretty bad people each one of them yeah and, and i think they grow yeah. into being better people by the end but i think the way where they start is like these are three terrible people who are totally going to another country to try to exploit them to service themselves and i would have loved for the film to conclude 
with some sort of statement on that and it kind of mm-hmm. doesn't um but you know at the same like but like you said i don't think it's because of any malicious intent i do think it is just because of a you know it's also 2007 <laughs> at the end of the day like 13 years ago this movie came out it's like yeah we were in a little you know we're always in a different place right you got to kind of take the film as it was when it came out and uh but that being said i do not think it's a bad film that you can't watch or something i think it's still a very good film very funny film in fact way funnier than i remembered it in fact i liked it way more this time having both noticed this glaring sort of issue with it at the same time noticing it's pretty funny the entire time (laughs) yeah it is yeah yeah, it's a, like this movie. I think could have been. Um, I like that it's set in India. Um, me, me too, and I think. And it's I wish beautiful. I was getting a more um, sort of authentic take on 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 that culture and stuff. But I I would have watched these three guys w- take a train ride literally anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeremy, I don't know. Is there anything... I mean, I'm looking through the trivia. There's nothing crazy. I mean, there's stuff like, uh, you know, Peter was written with Adrian Brody in mind. You know, there's always trivia like that. Nah, let's get uh, to it. I don't want to give any more trivia about Louis Vuitton. Thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I do, but you're the boss. Uh, A businessman in India falls uh fails <laughs> falls fails to catch his train called the darjeeling limited <laughs> i love how the wikipedia the starts like that because <laughs> it's true <laughs> that is how the movie starts yeah well actually it's... we should probably start with hotel chavalier shouldn't we sure i mean did you watch hotel che- uh, che- che- chevalier or whatever no is that a uh, a short that's the short film with nicole uh with uh, natalie portman and jason schwartzman I'll, 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 if I did, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. For you a while. Pro- you've definitely seen it before. If you saw this in theaters, then you saw this. But I'll, I'll go over it uh, real quick. So basically, the the film really starts with um, a short film that comes before the Darjeeling Limited, which I really like. I really like that choice. It's like bonus content that when you saw it in theaters, it aired back to back. So it's like it oh, was like cool. a short a short film that aired and it rolled credits all the way through, and then the film began. Did you um, think that that was the Darjeeling Limited? <laughs> I did think it was the beginning of the Darjeeling Limited and that they were pulling some sort of prank on me. But it was also uh, around the same time that the Grindhouse movies came out. And I was sort okay. of a, a used to, oh, like directors are like having fun with the format now. They're like, okay. they're like changing cool. shit up and they're like, uh, you know, uh, having fun. So check this shit out. You ready? In Uh a hotel lobby, the concierge answers the phone call from a guest room. A man, Jason Schwartzman, lies on a hotel bed in a yellow bathrobe watching a black and white American war film, Stalag 17. Really? (laughs) Yes. Interesting. (laughs) Brian, you rascal. He he knew it. It's like he knew we were going to get there. Um, So he's watching Stalag 17 and reading the newspaper. After ordering room service uh, from the concierge in broken French, he receives a call from a woman whose voice he recognizes. She tells him she is on her way from the airport, asks for his room number, despite objecting that he did not tell her she should come. The man consents, nevertheless. Then he hurriedly attempts to tidy the room, pausing to play the opening bars to a song, Where Did You Go To, My Lovely, by Peter mm. Starstead. Um, so basically, and if, and if you haven't watched this, if you didn't watch this recently, Eric, you should go refresh yourself on it because it's, 
It's pretty good. I've, I've got it on. I've I've sort of fl- uh, flipping through it on YouTube, and I it is coming back to. I have seen this before. <coughs> yeah, of course. It's it's really good, and um, it's basically this like super. We're seeing into the life of Jason Schwartzman and his ex girlfriend Natalie Portman, and and just how toxic their romance is, and. The extent of it is they basically hook up despite knowing that they shouldn't. And um, they kind of then resolve to let's go out on the balcony and just like look at how beautiful Paris is. And that's essentially the end of the the end of the short. But um, that moment and what happens in that moment plays out sort of in the film. So, for example, towards the end of Darjeeling Limited, he will be quoting uh, from the from from that exact event where he says something to the effect of I'm okay with that. He would not be going to Italy. (laughs) That, uh, (laughs) that exact line plays out at the end of the film and it's a reference to the short. Um, so that's basically all you need to know going into this is that, uh, and, uh, Jason Schwartzman is kind of pitted as one of the, I, I don't think any of the characters are more main character than the other one, but if you were going to hold my feet to the fire and say that, I would say that Jason Schwartzman probably is the main character of this movie. Um, and that's sort of the proof there is that like they gave him his own little special prologue so that he, you know, you kind of go into the film already loaded with like this information. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I do wish that I had watched that again before, before this viewing. It's, but uh, you, you should watch it again after this because it's really beautiful and really fun and cool. Um, cool. Uh, he is... Uh, yes, a businessman in India fails to catch his train, Darjeeling Limited. He is beaten to it by a younger man, Peter Whitman. Uh, Peter reunites with brothers Francis and Jack on board, the three having not seen each other since their father's funeral a year earlier. Um, I believe the first thing that they do is get a drink and smoke a cigarette. I love that line so much. Let's go get a drink <laughs> and smoke a cigarette. It is like it is what I used to say to my friends in college constantly yeah i heard that phrase so much it's so true it's like whenever everyone gets together if you're a smoker and a drinker the first thing you want to do is just go get a drink and smoke a cigarette it's like it calms you down it's such a oh i love it it's so communal it made me want to smoke a cigarette again and i haven't smoked in two years have you ever taken a a, a lengthy train ride mm-hmm I no. I don't even know like what it what trains are actually like, mm-hmm. um, like this Darjeeling Limited. This is set. This isn't modern. Is it? Is it appear? Is it set like? I think it's set in, in a different modern, time. modern. Yeah, I think it's. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because so. um, yeah, like do trains have these like individual cars and like little dining cars and stuff? I don't know. I've only seen movies and like I think they Murder do on still, the yeah. Orient Express and stuff right, like that. Right. Yeah, but they're still the same. Like like uh, travel travel trains, like freight trains. No, but like the trains where like people use to travel, which are probably fewer now these days. But yeah, they absolutely have. They have bar like a restaurant car and like a bar inside. Um. Yeah. So anyway, Francis has recently survived a near fatal motorcycle accident, leaving his face and head covered in bandages, uh, and thus wishes to reconcile with his brothers on a journey of spiritual self discovery. Um, he is also co- uh, covertly searching for their mother, 
whom the brothers have not seen in many years. So, uh, I don't know. Who's your like fa- like who's your favorite character of these three amigos? I think it's for me, it's just Owen Wilson. Same. I think I think it is ultimately Owen Wilson because he is the funniest. He is the most. He is like <laughs> his disposition is my favorite. Where he's clearly like his face is <laughs> up. He's like clearly like desperate, and I just love his whole like. All right, let's make an agreement right now. We're gonna blah blah blah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> like it's like, yeah. yeah. He's just got such a great. His motivation for it is so clear and so great. Like I think that the one problem, another problem, I, I I will say I have is like with Peter a little bit. Like Peter could be such a great character, except we get too little of him too late. Like I wanted to know more about him earlier on. Like. Because we get the short film, Jack seems like a fully fledged character, and and um, and I guess uh, was it Francis does most of the talking, but Peter kind of feels like he lives in a little bit of a limbo state to, for me, where I'm I'm kind of like, what's his deal? Like, why is he, like, why does he love the dad so much more than everyone else? Or like, does he love the dad more than everyone else? He's wearing the dad's glasses, but like, why? Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's pretty like closed off throughout right. most of the film. I think, and I think that is uh, that's can be a good character choice, but in this case, it made me kind of want just want to know more and kind of frustrated. Wait, so so who's is he the middle brother, like age wise? I think so. I think Francis is the oldest, and uh, Jack feels like the youngest to me, so he might be the middle. Yeah. Uh, Francis yeah, feels like the like... oldest just because of the whole like, uh, did I raise us? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. when he just asked them and they don't say anything it's so funny did i raise us kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh with the help of his assistant brendan uh francis draws up a strict itinerary for the trip and confiscates his brother's passports to prevent them from getting off the train too early uh the three also continue to grieve over their father's death Carrying bags and suitcases marked with his initials along with other personal items that belong to him. Yeah, this might be the most obvious slash funny metaphor in a film I've ever seen where in they're literally not over their dad. So what they do is they carry his literal baggage around. Yeah. <laughs> Funny like, enough, I didn't really think about that. That's, nor did I. Like I point that out. Embarrassingly, I've also had. I also was like watching like a YouTube breakdown of the film, like an essay, of okay, the, like a film essay, and like I'm like realized like, like, and here's another one, Eric. Check this out. So Peter is wearing their dad's prescription sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. So he can, he literally when he's wearing those. He cannot see the truth. <laughs> wow. It, like, it's only until he takes them off and finally puts them in his pocket that he can finally see. Hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's both tickles me because it's so good and juicy of a metaphor, but it also uh-huh. seems so obvious, right? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, like, yeah. frustratingly obvious. Yeah, frustratingly obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it but it doesn't make me like the film any less. It it makes it almost no, like neither. better, you know. Uh, the train takes the brothers through the countryside into various Hindu temples. Though tension builds as Jack and Peter become infatuated with Francis's manipulated, infuriated with Francis's manipulative behavior. 
Francis eventually reveals that they will be meeting with their mother who has been become a nun living in a Christian <laughs> convent in the Himalayas. So, yeah. Uh, Crazy. Get, yeah. Angelica Houston eventually. But, I know, uh, which is great. Yeah. But the ele- just the elevator pitch of this movie is gets crazier and crazier as you go on. Like, what? She's doing what? <laughs> so, Amara Karan, is that the uh, the actress who oh, is man. working on the train? She's yeah. really good. In love with. In love with. I could watch I could watch her in anything. She's she's great. I also really like uh, 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 her boss character. Dude. Okay, so Waris um, uh, Aluwala uh, is the chief steward. He ends up being, I think, in... Uh, he's in. I think he's in more Wes Anderson movies than this. And I think he even plays like a more substantial character in other ones. But uh, he's the guy you're talking about. Along with uh, Ifran Khan, who's amazing too. Um but uh r.i.p by the way he died this year i don't know if you knew that but the guy yeah he's the dad in the in the little village whose son dies but uh waris aluala i wish they would have just made him part of the main cast like part of one of the main characters like there's a version of this movie where like he tags along with the rest of the brothers i think and i don't know like they use him as a springboard for like like all the crazy shit that they're seeing in india you know like they use an actual local and like they use that specific actor like there's like a movie where this is a foursome and like he's like part of that and i i I just thought like he's they kind of like waste waris in this movie even though he's so good in it um i just wanted more 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 and it, it was just kind of a bummer to me that they that he like once they leave the Darjeeling limited like you never see those characters again which is a bummer because like they're they're so good to me i don't know i I love i love them yeah me too um let's see here i think i literally just closed out of the tab that i was in so (laughs) bear with me for one second Okie dokie. Uh, what movie are we talking about? Darley Geeling Limited. <laughs> they were talking about the Grand Budapest Kingdom. Man, I'm definitely cutting that out, by the way. I, uh... <laughs> Don't cut it out. Come on. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay, so none in the Himalayas. Peter and Jack are angry, knowing they wouldn't have come if they had been told this earlier. Uh, the atmosphere finally comes to a head, and the three have a physical altercation on the train, distressing the other passengers. Um, the chief steward, whom the brothers have repeatedly wronged, has them uh, thrown off with their luggage. Brendan subsequently quits and returns to the train after giving the boys a letter from their mother. Its uh, contents imply that she doesn't want to see them. The brothers thus decide to leave India, go their separate ways. And never return. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. After hiking through the wilderness. I lo- oh, by the way, real quick. Yeah, I so- love that they throw rocks at the train as it's leaving. <laughs> yes, that's great. And uh, that is so funny. And, you know, obviously the the bit with the, um, what is the thing that Owen Wilson gives, that Francis gives them? The little, like, lanterns or whatever. Oh, the feathers. The feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do I just think of lantern? Yeah, the feathers. Um, yes. 
that that's funny too. Well. Yeah, the feathers where like they all don't know what to do with them, so they all do different <laughs> stuff. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, I buried mine. He's like, oh, I threw mine towards the towards the mountain, and then he's like, I still have mine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, y'all didn't do it right. <laughs> like, no one did. Everyone did it wrong. Uh, after hiking through the wilderness, the brothers see three young boys fall into a river while attempting to pull a raft across it. Jack and Francis rescue two of the boys, but Peter fails to save the third, who dies. Which is an interesting thing, right? And I'm always kind of wondering, like, what is the, what is the metaphor with this? Because uh, Peter was also the only one to see their dad die. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. put that together. But, like, what, like, I, I again, like, putting it together for me is not actually that helpful, because I'm still kind of wondering, like, well, what does it mean? Like, why... What does it mean about his character? Like that he's like doomed to always, or like what's his ultimate lesson? I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, was this like the youngest of the three boys? I guess you can really tell, or maybe you could. Yeah, you can't. I don't. I think you can tell like where in the pecking order they would would have been, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. They they carry the body back to the boys' village uh, where they spend the night and are treated kindly. Yeah. Uh, they attend the funeral the next day and experience a repressed flashback. Oh, Three brothers, accompanied by Alice, Peter's wife, are shown heading to their father's funeral and then stopping to pick up his Porsche so from the great. repair shop. Uh, yeah, this is my favorite part, by the way. Uh, the, oh, well, I guess my favorite part is the intro with the with this time tomorrow. But my second favorite is the where they place the strangers from the Kinks and yes, the, and they're all walking Beatles style towards their little cab, <laughs> yes. and then you have that like cut, and then the whole sequence that follows where it's the flashback. I love the flashback. I think it's, it's great. so good, and you see all the brothers being brothers together um, in New York or wherever they are, and then, and then when they yell at that. Um, uh, tow truck driver. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so awesome. You can tell like each one of them is not intimidating on their own, but all three of them together. Like if I was a tow truck driver, I would also just get back in my car and be like, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> like yeah. th- these three weirdos. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know. What do you think of this sequence? I love it too. I'm a big fan. I, I think it comes at the right time too. Yes. It's you know? perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the car is not ready. It is revealed that their father's death was a result of him being hit by a taxi and their mother did not attend the funeral. Which I, can I say one more thing? I'm sorry. I know we're running long, but I, it's so cool to me the way they tell the story about this because they don't explicitly say that Peter's upset with the auto mechanic because the auto mechanic didn't have his dad's car ready, which is the reason why his dad was needing to take a, ca- a taxi, which is why he died. But but right. you have to imply that from just watching, like like it's like a it's like an an understood thing, an unspoken truth that like the reason why Peter is harassing the auto mechanic is because they didn't get his car right. ready in time, and his dad died as a result of it. And like I just think that like by they they never say it out loud, but that's what. But I think that's like that's like a really cool facet of this film is that there's so much left unsaid about this. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back in the present, the brothers arrive at the airport 
but they suddenly decide to rip up their tickets and go visit their mother. Uh, they reach the <laughs> convent where oh, their mother the way, is. There's a special sorry. There's a special feature on the DVD or on the uh, Blu-ray where uh, in that scene, you know, where they rip off the ticket, where they're uh-huh. like at the airline and you can't hear what they're saying. Um, there's a there's a b- deleted scene where Wes Anderson actually left in what they're like a cut where you can hear what they're actually saying, mm-hmm. but they're speaking gibberish. <laughs> Cause like, I guess, <laughs> I guess he directed them like, okay, go out there and just, you know, you just mouth stuff. You don't actually have to say anything, but you know, get, basically do this. And so you hear them going like, and they're, they're literally just like doing like jargon, like, like jargon. You can't understand. It's very funny. Um, I gotta hear that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's great. That night, or wait, hold on. They reach the convent uh, where their mother is surprised but overjoyed to see them. And Francis coyly admits that his accident was actually a suicide attempt. Uh, That night, after the brothers confront their mother for abandoning them, the family gathers together in silence and reconnect in love. I love this. This is like so... uh, this is such a like powerful scene. Like we yeah. just learn about this like family turmoil for like two hours, and like this sort of mother that like really doesn't want her th- to see her three sons, and she's like moved to the Himalayas, <laughs> and then they're finally together, and she's like, "Let's all just sit here in silence," and we get to just like watch that. Like, it's great. I love it so much. Yeah. And I also think that like this is something that like would be good for people to do who are I know. like <laughs> having a conflict or are yes. like at odds with each other to just yes. like sit there quietly with one another. You're so right, buddy. Absolutely. I'm going to do it with Jackie tonight once I get off this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so uh anyway, the brothers w- awake the next morning to find their mother gone, leaving them their breakfast. They decide not to wait uh, for her to return. Uh, at the train station, the three brothers run for another train called Bengal Lancer and gleefully discard all their father's suitcases and bags to catch it. On board, Francis offers to return Peter and Jack their passports, but is told instead to hold on to them. Ugh. Great. Classic. Classic. I love, too, they like... Uh, these are like my three favorite kink songs in descending order. So it's like this time tomorrow, my second favorite is strangers and my third favorite is power man. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's like they use the best of the best kink stuff in this. And, uh, I love that scene of them sh- shrugging off all their baggage, getting on the, the, the train. And I love that last shot of them all, them all, uh, let's go get a drink and smoke a cigarette. And they all like leave and you see them all like kind of peeking out one after the other, and uh, Champs Elysees starts playing over the credits. Like, yeah, it's a it's 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 a masterful piece of art, man. This film is like really moving and really funny. Like, it's it's incredibly funny and incredibly moving. Like, it's 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 really good. And I totally, uh, I'm glad you liked it too, or liked it more than maybe we thought we did because um, I didn't. I yeah, didn't expect I to like it. Just- didn't even like think about it really up until I started watching it. You know, when we decided we were going to cover Wes Anderson movies, it mo- this movie like didn't even really come to mind. Right. Um. So yeah, Jeremy. Overall thoughts. What What are your Chucky? What's your Chucky freckle ranking for this bad boy? 
I feel like I've pretty much throughout this podcast given my overall thoughts. Like I just, I really do like it. I think it's just so good. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I also feel like on the one hand, I did have like uh, some slight hiccups with just sort of the colonialism of it. And like the, the like, uh, you know, white people going to a, 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 a foreign land to feel something, and that quite not really landing. But it also, on the other hand, made me super excited to go visit all the films of Satyajit Ray and and like kind of get into Indian cinema in general uh, in a new way. So, you know, it, it's not all a bust. And, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like this is... This one, this one surprised me more than any of the other ones have. Like, I expected to love the first four we watched. Um... But this one I expected to not like. So for that, I'm going to give it the exact same score I gave Life Aquatic, which is a 3.25. 3.25 out of 10. Great score, Jeremy. Out of 10? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a movie that uh, I feel like I've kind of said my thoughts to you. I really like this movie. I think it's... Um, I th- I just think it has like such a um you know it's a great movie kind of just about families and I I've never had I'd never had a brother so I don't maybe did you just had a you have a sister right Jeremy I do Do you have a brother? I don't have a brother no. Yeah, I, see, I only I'm, have I, uh, I only have you and the patrons. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to talk to someone who is like uh, a bre- has like two brothers about this about this movie to see what their take is. But yeah, um, I do. Yeah, I I really like all these characters are so fun to watch together, and um, you know, just the setting of a train to uh, and these you know three characters that are at odds. Yeah, and that can't the be understated. The chemistry is so good between the three it's, of them. It's great. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I you know, I, I do like, I actually, I like this movie more than I like Tenenbaums, which I gave a 3.5, but Ooh. I will give, I will give Darjeeling a 3.5 just because I think there are some, you know, um, I don't know, I, you know, kind of going back to like the uh, what you were saying about like white people going to a foreign country to, you know, find themselves or whatever. And, and, and you know what, you know, uh, kind of based on like Ravi's sort of take on 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 how some of the cultural specifics were done and, and, and the way uh, the, the way India is treated in the film, um, you know. That that is kind of keeping this from being like a perfect movie for me. Also, um, you know, I think the story is great and I loved it, but it is kind of like, um, I don't know. It does. It just doesn't have like a like a like the climax is like not really yeah. like it's it's not that big of a climax. You Agreed. know what I mean? Like it I doesn't totally really agree. build up to something. Yeah. really satisfying i was thinking it, about it's that not unsatisfying the climax is really just the bear like they they bury the feather that's the whole right. climax of the movie is that they go up on onto the hill and they all do like a fake like little washa woo woo whatever <laughs> and then they bury a, a a feather and that's it like that's the climax of the movie which is like right. pretty pretty underwhelming I think. 
Um, Because I think like if the climax was the saving the kids, that would be a little different, but that's the dark night of the soul. That's the like belly of the beast moment. Like we're still not done with the journey, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's almost a little like when I, when I realized that last night too, I was like, I was like, wow, like, yes, I enjoyed the hell out of this. And, and, and ultimately it doesn't super matter, <laughs> but, right. but the fact that the climax is just this, I'm like, uh, yeah, this fake thing that I don't even know what it means. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, I also have to dock, dock point one points off for, uh, not including my second favorite uh, kink song, Jeremy, which is, of course, Ape Man. Oh, well, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> uh, uh, what is it, L- uh, Lola? No. Ape, Ape Man. <laughs> Do you know that song? No. Listen to Ape Man. It's, it's a great song. Listen I will to Ape listen Man to it. after yeah, this. I will. Uh, Jeremy, you know, besides the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Is there anything you want to tell the people before we sign off? No, you can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime, and that's about it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I, I, uh, we, we appreciate you, and uh, you know, we'll see you next yes. time. We appreciate all of you except for one. <laughs> We're not going to say who. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> uh, next week we're doing uh, There Will Be Blood, I Oh, believe. my God. This is sort of... Um, you know, the little little teaser for next week. Mm-hmm. This was the film that m- made me excited to do this project with you. This is the film that made me an oil man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, revisiting There Will Be Blood and talking about it on mic, I was like, ooh, that's a tasty proposition. Oh, yeah. Very excited to, to revisit that film and, and to talk... <laughs> There will be blood, and then, you know, we'll do uh, Alien versus Predator, and then, you know, hopefully that's good. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, I got nothing else to say, so... Nor I, that, nor I. Norma! I'll see you in my dreams. Norma!